Section 16 of A Sentimental Journey Through France and Italy This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Martin Giessen A Sentimental Journey Through France and Italy by Lawrence Stern Section 16 Le Pâtissier, Versailles before i had got half-way down the street i changed my mind as i am at versailles thought i i might as well take a view of the town so i pulled the cord and ordered the coachman to drive round some of the principal streets i suppose the town is not very large said i the coachman begged pardon for setting me right and told me it was very superbe and that numbers of the first dukes and marquises and counts had hotels the count de b of whom the bookseller at the quai de conti had spoke so handsomely the night before came instantly into my mind and why should i not go thought i to the count de b who has so high an idea of english books and english men and tell him my story so i changed my mind a second time in truth it was the third for i had intended that day for madame de r in the rue saint pierre and had devoutly sent her word by her fille de chambre that i would assuredly wait upon her but i am governed by circumstances i cannot govern them so seeing a man standing with a basket on the other side of the street as if he had something to sell i bid la fleur go up to him and inquire for the count's hotel la fleur returned a little pale and told me it was a chevalier de saint louis selling pates it is impossible la fleur said i la fleur could no more account for the phenomenon than myself but persisted in his story he had seen the croix set in gold with its red riband he said tied to his buttonhole and had looked into the basket and seen the pâtés which the chevalier was selling, so could not be mistaken in that. Such a reverse in man's life awakens a better principle than curiosity. I could not help looking for some time at him as I sat in the remise. The more I looked at him, his croix and his basket, the stronger they wove themselves into my brain. I got out of the remise and went towards him. He was begirt with a clean linen apron which fell below his knees, and with a sort of a bib that went half-way up his breast. Upon the top of this, but a little below the hem, hung his croix his basket of little pates was covered over with a white damask napkin another of the same kind was spread at the bottom 
and there was a look of propriety and neatness throughout that one might have bought his pates of him as much from appetite as sentiment he made an offer of them to neither but stood still with them at the corner of an hotel for those to buy who chose it without solicitation he was about forty-eight of a sedate look something approaching to gravity i did not wonder i went up rather to the basket than him and having lifted up the napkin and taking one of his pates into my hand i begged he would explain the appearance which affected me he told me in a few words that the best part of his life had passed in the service in which after spending a small patrimony he had obtained a company and the croix with it but that at the conclusion of the last piece his regiment being reformed and the whole corps with those of some other regiments left without any provision he found himself in a wide world without friends without a livre and indeed said he without anything but this pointing as he said it to his croix the poor chevalier won my pity and he finished the scene with winning my esteem too the king he said was the most generous of princes but his generosity could neither relieve nor reward every one and it was only his misfortune to be amongst the number he had a little wife he said whom he loved who did the patisserie and added he felt no dishonour in defending her and himself from want in this way unless providence had offered him a better it would be wicked to withhold a pleasure from the good in passing over what happened to this poor chevalier of st louis about nine months after it seems he usually took his stand near the iron gates which lead up to the palace and as his croix had caught the eyes of numbers numbers had made the same inquiry which i had done he had told them the same story and always with so much modesty and good sense that it had reached at last the king's ears who hearing the chevalier had been a gallant officer and respected by the whole regiment as a man of honour and integrity he broke up his little trade by a pension of fifteen hundred livres a year as i have told this to please the reader i beg he will allow me to relate another out of its order to please myself the two stories reflect light upon each other and tis a pity they should be parted the sword Rennes. when states and empires have their periods of declension and feel in their turns what distress and poverty is 
i stop not to tell the causes which gradually brought the house de in brittany into decay the marquis de had fought up against his condition with great firmness wishing to preserve and still to show to the world some little fragments of what his ancestors had been their indiscretions had put it out of his power there was enough left for the little exigencies of obscurity but he had two boys who looked up to him for light he thought they deserved it he had tried his sword it could not open the way the mounting was too expensive and simple economy was not a match for it there was no resource but commerce in any other province in france save brittany this was smiting the root for ever of the little tree his pride and affection wished to see re-blossom but in brittany there being a provision for this he availed himself of it and taking an occasion when the states were assembled at rennes the marquis attended with his two boys entered the court and having pleaded the right of an ancient law of the duchy which though seldom claimed he said was no less in force he took his sword from his side here said he take it and be trusty guardians of it till better times put me in condition to reclaim it the president accepted the marquis's sword he stayed a few minutes to see it deposited in the archives of his house and departed the marquis and his whole family embarked the next day for martinico and in about nineteen or twenty years of successful application to business with some unlooked-for bequests from distant branches of his house returned home to reclaim his nobility and to support it it was an incident of good fortune which will never happen to any traveller but a sentimental one that i should be at rennes at the very time of this solemn requisition i call it solemn it was so to me the marquis entered the court with his whole family he supported his lady his eldest son supported his sister and his youngest was at the other extreme of the line next his mother he put his handkerchief to his face twice there was a dead silence when the marquis had approached within six paces of the tribunal he gave the marchioness to his youngest son and advancing three steps before his family he reclaimed his sword his sword was given him and the moment he got it into his hand he drew it almost out of the scabbard twas the shining face of a friend he had once given up he looked attentively along it beginning at the hilt as if to see whether it was the same when observing a little rust which it had contracted near the point 
he brought it near his eye, and bending his head down over it, I think I saw a tear fall upon the place. I could not be deceived by what followed. I shall find, said he, some other way to get it off. When the Marquis had said this, he returned his sword into its scabbard, made a bow to the guardians of it, and with his wife and daughter, and his two sons following him, walked out. Oh, how I envied him his feelings! End of section 16 Recording by Martin Giessen in Hazelmere, Surrey